0: set up gentlemen. Lights, cameras, and- Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 70mm Mindset. I'm Nathan Matthews, joined by Nathan Coley. Today, we've got a special episode. We will be covering The Last Jedi, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson, uh, written and directed the eighth film in the franchise, second in its trilogy. Um, It's it's quite the film. We've got a lot to dive into. Uh, It's very... uh, it's a very mixed bag, in my opinion. I believe that it has some of the best parts of any Star Wars movie, but it also has some of the the worst parts of any Star Wars movie. And that makes it a really difficult uh, film to, to really find a consensus on.
1: For sure. I had a similar reaction th- where I thought some of the lows were just like painfully low and like just painfully terrible where there was some parts of it that I thought had some real potential that wasn't fully realized. And there are a couple moments that still stand out as strong. uh, But overall those lows I had said, make it really just frustrating overall as the overall film.
0: Mm -hmm. There's a lot of elements like tying into that. I think it's all kind of the root root of it is like the different storylines that are followed. Like, some of the storylines are really strong. Like my my one of my favorite parts of this movie is uh, Luke's planet and uh, Ray's whole story. I think that Ray's story is actually a, a lot more powerful than people give it credit in this movie. And um, then it's taken down by the entire like Cantabite uh, oh, yeah. squad and the <laughs> the the entire resistance is just like utterly like incompetent in this movie like yeah, it just basically. It's so painful to watch
1: yeah i would i would say the most interesting scenes for me as well were from luke and ray i don't know if i have much positive to say about many of their scenes especially luke but they're certainly the most interesting like the most uh like development takes place there and so I think that because it's because their setup is a lot simpler that it has less of the issues that you would see in the Countabite storylines and the Resistance Chase um just the fact that it's mainly just two people on an island like that simplistic nature makes it a little bit uh better just inherently by by that virtue I guess
0: It's also just like really uh like not emotionally but like mythologically driven by, like, the whole Star Wars, like, force uh, idea. It really dives into, like, the actual, not necessarily mechanics, but, like, the, uh, like, inner uh, workings of the force. Um, And we don't see that as much in a lot of Star Wars movies, and that's something that I was really interested to see. Uh, It was interesting to see Luke's entire um, arc up to this point I think Luke is also a lot better than people give him credit for in this movie, like he's a little bit sarcastic and uh uh like comedic in nature, and I'm sure you hated that but um it it it's a lot more um it, it's just a lot better than people give it credit in a couple of ways,
1: and that might be the biggest point of disagreement in this whole episode because Luke is my least favorite part of this film. <laughs> He is How did I the, know? Yeah, well, not it's not necessarily because of the comedy. It's just the way his char- character is in this film versus the way he was in Return of the Jedi is like one end of a spectrum to another, and that gap is not bridged at all, except for like a minute of flashbacks that are that almost everything in those flashbacks is. I would go as far as to say like nonsensical and it isn't consistent with the characterization that has been established for Luke. And just the complete reversal of his character all for the point of subversion and to prove, or to maybe give the audience a couple lessons that they can take away all done through a very rushed and not thought through uh, character arc for Luke where he just goes from this super optimistic and hopeful character at the end of Return of the Jedi who sees good in almost everyone, who sees good in the second most evil man in the entire galaxy and saves him from the dark side to pulling a lightsaber on his nephew who had some dark thoughts and was being tempted by Snoke. Uh, That shift was just way too quick and wasn't like... You would need almost a whole movie to get just established thoroughly how Luke's mindset devolved to that point.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You'd need a whole nother movie. And there's this little thing you may not have heard of that Disney's pushing called Disney Plus. And I'm sure they've got plans for everything in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So that might actually be part of it. But I honestly think that it's to establish some mystery around it. It's establish, it establishes like a, a need for the audience to want to find out more. About Luke's past, we have a lot of mystery surrounding it, and not only is the audience able to go through Luke's past, but we see Ray uh, have the opportunity to go through Luke's uh, past deeds, and she obviously confronts Luke about that. Like what you said, like Ray found fault in that. It's not like the the movie doesn't address these things. Like Luke is a flawed. He he makes a flawed decision in that scenario, and we see him regret that. He's in in the scene. He says that just for a moment he contemplates it. He turns on his lightsaber. The second he does so, he regrets it, and then he's trapped in this situation. It's it speaks to like the humanity in him. Like Luke isn't this like uh, constantly benevolent like force. Luke is really unique in the context of Jedi because. We see in this movie, um, like he's a little bit more uh, disenchanted with the Force. He's a little bit less like of a of a Force a- apologetic, you could say. He finds fault in the Jedi, and he wants to kind of change the the way that the Jedi uh, operate by basically getting rid of them. And Luke is able to command a really interesting stance that I think is a lot more like uh introspective and philosophical and it's overlooked I think in other uh people's analysis of this film like the whole um conflict with the sacred like Jedi texts is I think really interesting and Luke's whole perspective on that is interesting to hear uh what are your thoughts on all that
1: so, I I like the idea of Luke being disenfranchised, you know, him like having finding a bunch of faults at the Jedi. I think that's a good idea in concept. I just think that there was a lot more that they could have done to get him to that point because like I think his main reason was how at the peak of the Jedi's power they allowed Darth Sidious to rise and wipe them out and that it was a Jedi who was responsible for the training and forthbring of Darth Vader Darth Vader I think those were like his two big reasons for why the Jedi were terrible.
0: It's not like necessarily his like conflict with the the Jedi as a whole, but like the fact that Jedi allowed that to happen, like he's that caused him to be like more suspicious of the Jedi, um, like the organization, I guess.
1: I just don't see how that would bring him to say it's time for the Jedi to end, because it's while just- they may have, oh, sorry, go on.
0: I I just think that it's like he uh, like has noticed like every single one of these uprisings was caused by a Jedi turning to the dark and like his solution to not it's not necessarily the right solution but it it it's a possible solution is to just uh, stop training new Jedi because they will always like inevitably turn to the dark is what he concluded that's what happened with his father that's what happened with his student and so he was influence on both sides of his life so i i see i see it happening like that would affect him really hard if like his his first main uh opponent in his path as a jedi being his father and then his first like main uh seeing seeing his student become like his father like turning to the dark side that must have been very like uh frightening for luke uh, knowing his father's story Of how he turned to the dark side Like he'd be paranoid I'd think And it's fitting of this character
1: Well to go with that um, How he could see his father's story in Ben If he saw the story of Darth Vader Who murdered millions of people in Ben Why would he leave And leave the rest of the galaxy to deal with it Instead of doing something about it like he can I don't think that's in Luke's character at all. I know he's disheveled about what about his actions, which I think even his action of raising that lightsaber on Kylo is antithetical to his character, because he already learned this lesson in the original trilogy. He already tossed away his lightsaber when he first raised it on Darth Vader. He realized the, the danger of giving in to the dark side, and then he just went and did it again, and that's what caused his whole downfall they just ripped that lesson out of his character to get to him to where he was presently. And then the fact that he just leaves the galaxy to deal with it instead of doing anything about it to try and make up for it, It's just like even worse for his character in my opinion, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. And I can see where you're coming from with all of that. Like I, they did kind of like skate over a lot of important details, uh, not only with Luke, but like how things are presented to Luke, like the best example I can think of is like when Ray's telling the story or when she's about to tell the story of everything, all we get out of Luke is like a where's Han uh, and we don't see his reaction to oh, so upset learning didn't see his reaction uh, oh. to, I, I think there' was actually a deleted scene I haven't seen it, but there is
1: a deleted scene, and they cut it out and they but they left space for him milking a sea <sighs> cow instead uh.
0: All oh, right, man. That, that that is, it's just outrageous that they would cut like a powerful scene like that. But yeah, I I guess Disney isn't one to dwell on the past, and killing off their characters is probably well. Not they literally they say in
1: this movie, "Let the past die." So, <laughs> I guess that holds up.
0: It's just so the fact that they just skate over stuff like that is it's pretty triggering. I'd say.
1: Yeah, I. It's it's the decisions like that that like really infuriate me. Like there are the there's the stupidity and the plot and everything. But when they like blatantly go against, like, the emotional moments that these characters could have together, like that's just that's just insulting almost mm-hmm. to the history of the franchise.
0: Yeah, my whole thing with luke though is we see him shift from his role of a student um and then eventually a hero uh to a teacher like he has his arc and and we really get to see him fill into his kind of like begrudging like he's a begrudging teacher he's not really excited to be teaching ray but he he does it anyway and we see him Uh, like one of my favorite sequences in the movie, uh, is when uh Ray first like reaches out with the Force, and we see the balance, uh, of everything of the light and dark, the life and death. That whole scene it's very experimental, uh, to be seeing in like a high budget film like this. Like all the reverses, the um, the time lapses, the cuts it's it's so raw and i i I really think that it's a powerful and unique scene uh and that it's it's a little a little bit trippy like the one moment when like ray is like grasping and the water is like falling up and her hand goes to where the water was and it it's a really interesting like avant-garde uh sequence i'd say that i really appreciated um and a really good interaction with luke and mark hamill's acting is amazing oh man yeah like it's
1: fantastic (sighs) like he had to pull pull off so many different emotions and i don't know if you've seen like some of the behind the scenes of mark hamill like about how he really disagreed with what ryan did to his character um i haven't seen that but like yeah there are like you can find like 20-plus clips of him saying he fundamentally disagreed with everything Ryan did to his character. Um, And the fact that he was still able to pull off such a great performance, even with all that uh, disappointment about what was done to his character, and then he's playing a bunch of different emotions, like he's cracking some jokes, he's disheveled, and he's screaming really intensely at some point. Uh, He has to pull off a wide range, and he... Does it really well for what he's given? I just wish it had been for a more more accurate and thought out version of the character.
0: Mm-hmm. The whole idea of Luke in this movie is he's a broken hero. We we see this a couple other points. Um, I think another good example is uh, Thor and Endgame. If you're familiar with that, a hero that has been like broken by like a, a significant loss. Uh, or a mistake that they believe they made, and I say they pull it off fairly well with Luke. Like he's he's dealing with it in a rather unhealthy way, as most like broken heroes do. He just chose to exile himself and like strand himself on this this planet, and the planet has like sentimental value to him, and it's important to the to the Jedi. But it's still he's trying to cut himself off from the people that really should matter to him. And with the broken hero um, stereotype, he's really playing into that very well, and we get to see him grow out of that. Um, I think his uh, where where he stands up at the end with his like fight with Kylo Ren, like, and his whole thing with the Luke in the end is just amazing. It's the perfect way to close off the arc of his character. I'd say, like, I I I get the feeling that you won't like the whole Luke hologram thing. That feels like something
1: that you wouldn't like well but... yeah i feel like I, I don't i'm not i don't necessarily have a problem with just the astral projection like the, the using it as a mechanic um i just i did find it weird that kylo didn't notice that that wasn't actually luke when he's a force sensitive being who can detect a, the presence of other force sensitive beings i found that strange found it strange that he didn't that he didn't realize that luke was using the lightsaber that he broke just an hour ago So, obviously, it would be fake. Well, I think
0: think Kylo is, like, so fueled by rage towards Luke that he doesn't care. He sees Luke. He, like, puts everything else aside. Like, we see Kylo goes, like, ballistic on him, like, when he knows that Luke is there. And Kylo's so fueled by hatred that, like, it doesn't really... Matter as much. It's, I think it's still fairly important, but it doesn't matter as much that, like, there, there are like a small inconsistency like that. Like, maybe that's oh. even like beneficial. The fact that Kylo doesn't notice these things like really speaks to his level of like hatred and rage towards Luke. Uh,
1: with with that defense, I just think like, what can't you apply that defense to? Like, if a character makes a bad decision. Can can you just say like moment of weakness, or
0: well, I think with Kylo like making bad decisions, like I honestly think that's a good idea. Like having a character that's consistently like illogical might not be the smartest thing, but it it's not completely, uh, it's not not completely bad idea for Kylo to be so filled up and with the person that I'd imagine Kylo having the most distaste for. Out of everyone in the Star Wars universe, it, it would be Luke. And this is one of Kylo's most powerful moments is him like against facing against Luke. That's something that needs to happen. And I don't I don't know what a better alternative would be, like, to how it did play out, like, other than Luke actually like being there. But then again, like they they have to do the he has to draw away the fire of the 80s and whatnot but
1: yeah i mean that trying to come up with ways that things could be different is kind of a huge rabbit hole in and of itself because you'd have to go back and change so many other parts of the story so i i guess if i were to just focus on that scene um i i like it in concept again it's just i didn't like the way that he mocked kylo at the end um i don't remember what the specific line was Oh yeah, it was like, "See you around, kid." And then he before that he had just said, "I'm sorry." Not obviously not earnestly. And it like it did not seem like he was trying to like make peace with Kylo at all. It he didn't seem like he actually was apologetic about his actions. It just seemed like he was giving Kylo a slap to the face and mocking him. And I didn't think that was in Luke's character either.
0: Yeah, I I think it's safe to say that Luke has obviously changed a, a great deal since we've last seen him, and that that's something I'd actually be open for, um, for the Star Wars universe to dive into. Like, I know Mark Hamill's like super expensive at this point because they're not going to like do Luke Skywalker without Mark Hamill. But oh, yeah. it's it's something that um, actually is an interesting avenue that they could pursue, like with a. Like a Star Wars story or some other um like avenue like that that I'd actually be really interested to see, or they could have given us a little bit more backstory in the movie, but I think that would fill in too many details about this gray area between uh, episodes six and seven where like Mandalorian is taking place and everything. but
1: uh that i I feel like it's necessary to fill in those gaps, otherwise the audience is just left thinking like, oh, so someone can be this, and then they can be that, just with the snap of a finger, basically, just a few scenes, and he's mm-hmm. going to be the completely different person. Like, I, you, I feel like stories have to do the legwork to get the characters to where they are. Otherwise, anything can just change on a whim at the writer's will.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering between 3 and 4, they fill in very well what goes on, like sure it took them like several years, like with Clone Wars and Bad Batch and Solo, Rogue One, those are all taking place uh either like within or after I guess not Clone Wars so much, but it's it's filling in the gap and I think that's a process that um is probably a little bit based on business rather than smart storytelling, but Oh yeah, for it, sure. <laughs> I'm not necessarily opposed to them deciding to make entire TV shows and movies about this interesting uh, period between rather than them explaining it with like either some uh, exposition, like some probably boring exposition in a, in a movie that's already like two and a half hours long. Well, that's
1: the thing. Like if, if they were to do an ex expository scene, whether or not it's boring is up to the writer. If they can do a good job crafting the story, then it will be entertaining and mm-hmm. it'll also make sense. So like, maybe
0: not boring, I, but just like, uh, it can like maybe too much or that, that's another possibility. Like it could be just way too much. They either have to go like, they're not going to go kind of like, we're just going to tell you kind of what happened. Like that's that's what happened in Shang Chi and that's why I didn't like Shang Chi, mm. but uh, yeah. they they either have to like go in like with a full like twenty minute flashback I feel like like they would do like with some other like frame narrative story, or what they did in this movie which was just some short flat flashbacks that was all that was necessary I don't think it was necessary for them to tell the entire story of how Luke got to that point like he he said that he was training a new generation of jedi and obviously some years had passed he was showing a little bit more age um but it 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 wasn't as necessary as them just telling what happened with kylo because we'd already seen the effects of that it doesn't make sense to give us the whole spiel after we've already seen the end result
1: Yeah, I I think just a little more backstory into how Luke got into that mindset in the first place, how the training went wrong with Kylo up until then, that got Kylo to be tempted and untrusting of Luke. Um, I, I think there was like... You said it wasn't necessary, and while I I agree that it may not be necessary for the audience to, like, accept it, when you're bridging that gap, it can be necessary just storytelling-wise, and that's kind of where the difference comes in between, like, just, does the the audience understand what's happening, or is it actually filled in, which is a little bit difficult to dive into.
0: Yeah. It's, we're back into that question of, like, what could they have done differently, and I I think that that can be interesting to dive into, um, but as as it stands, I don't think they did such a terrible job with Luke's Luke's story uh, in this movie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I would I would disagree, but we've both laid out why uh, I think, and like I understand what you mean. So like, maybe move on to something else because we spent twenty yeah. minutes on Luke, but.
0: This might be another two-hour episode if we're not careful. It no, would not surprise, yeah. <laughs> um, back on the the whole like main idea with this movie that I laid out earlier of what I thought is, it's like the Force Awakens. Like, there's some amazing stuff, and there's some really trashy, uh, stuff that we have to deal with at the same time, and that's like exaggerated like, a lot, a lot more uh, intensely in this movie. Like the sati- the cinematography and direction in this movie is like absolutely breathtaking like so many amazing uh like sets and like production design uh like the whole uh planet of crate is like oh, it's yeah. such an amazing aesthetic like the whole white red and black themes are played into very heavily uh I think I said this in our last episode but the whole like Marquez Brownlee like red white <laughs> and black <laughs> yep, vibe that's right. like it's such a amazing like simple yet powerful palette that mm-hmm. it's it's such a good thing for the Star Wars um universe to adopt like it's this new first order era and we're we're seeing that with this color palette. Uh I I I also thought that Snokes like red throne room with like the red walls and the guards, oh, it was so amazing the the visuals in that fight scene were some of the most amazing like fight scenes in star wars history like Mm. kylo and ray like teaming up that's just such an amazing amazingly executed choreography and cinematography with all of it do you have some thoughts on that
1: um well uh i don't disagree with any of the cinematography points but man i i would consider that the worst fight in star wars what may maybe Rise of Skywalker is worse, but holy there is like the the there is have you seen the clip of the disappearing knife?
0: Uh the disappearing knife. No. I don't so think towards
1: so. the end of the fight, you know when Ray is getting she goes one on one against a guard that has like the two knives. hmm Um and then she eventually gets grabbed by the neck And by the guard that has the two knives. So the Mm. guard has one knife in the hand of the arm that is holding her neck to to his body. And then the other hand has a knife that he could easily use to, like, slash her back. And then she's done. But that knife disappears.
0: So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's still an amazing fight scene. Uh, This is the problem with, like, like with stuff like this is these inconsistencies don't like make or break, uh, like an element of the movie. Like they can or be like annoying.
1: 30 There's 30 of that. All right. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to hear a couple little... more of these. I mean, um, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to pull up the fight here cause I can't quite remember them off the top of my head, but man,
0: I thought that all fight right. was so beautiful. I don't know how,
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I loved it when I first saw it. Like that's for sure. But I've I rewatched it a few times, and then I saw one video, which I would highly recommend everyone go watch at some point. It's from this channel called Shadiversity, and it's called Fight, fight Scene Autopsy, and it breaks down this fight. It's like a 50-minute video that goes... Because he's like a swordsman, and he knows a bunch of fighting techniques, and there, he breaks it all down in all the choreography that's rough. Like, there's a moment where Ray kicks... At, at a guard, and then three guards jump back. Hmm. After I'm, her, I'm, after she kicks one,
0: I'm finding the fight in the movie right now, so I can look at it. But I'm just seeing yeah, like these there, amazing yeah. sequences where they're each like taking two at a time, like these amazing like sweeping shots where like either of them is doing something in the background. Usually, like all the guards have these really creative and unique weapons. That like we've never really seen anywhere else in Star Wars. All right, I got to the part with the guy with two knives. Oh, they're like okay. Uh, that He's, comes like, at the end them. of the fight. He's slashing. Kylo's fighting some guys with spears. Looks like oh they're here about to lose.
1: Got, I found a list. I found a list that I wrote down.
0: We see like Kylo is being Kylo Run like the entire time, like just yeah. being insane. <laughs> The kind of angsty teenager that he is.
1: <laughs> Just stabbing everything. Um, okay. Yeah, so there is one moment where a guard is... I don't remember what point of the scene this is in, but there's a guard that literally Kylo is coming up to him, and the guard throws his weapon away right before Kylo stabs him.
0: I'm watching the fight right now, and I'm not seeing any of that. Like...
1: So okay, well the, the kick is when they're back to back, I just saw it. The like in the beginning when they're back to back. Um Let's see, what else do I have?
0: Oh, I got to the part with the guard with the knife. Yeah, I see what you mean. hmm Okay.
1: Yeah, it, it just it's just gone. <laughs>
0: like <laughs> And then he decides to let go of her right when she drops her light. So that yeah, right, that is a little annoying. Mm-hmm. But yeah. would
1: Oh yeah, and there's a, what would have a Wo- more Oh sorry, go on.
0: What would a, like, more, like, effective, they needed to build tension there, right? To have that, that was, like, the climax of the fight, and they had to resolve it. Like, how else would you propose to add tension to that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know how you would solve that. I think they had to airbrush that out in post because they realized, oh, wait, he has a knife right in in his hand that he can just stab her with. Let's get that out there and hope the audience doesn't notice. Uh, like, I think they just have to choreograph the fight better. But like, like the, I don't know if there's anything you can do just for that specific uh, segment of the fight. Um, you just have to get it to a point where that won't happen, or just give him one weapon from the first place. Like, uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, there are you know, there are some like simple solutions to that, but. Okay,
1: and I j- just saw another moment where Kylo grabs a guard by the head and throws the guard into another guard while he is holding a lightsaber that can stab them.
0: <laughs> well, they have to keep it interesting. I mean, they can't just of the force be users lightsab-
1: Use the force at all. That, that would have been very helpful. One it's guard just a- runs in to Kylo's lightsaber and tries to block it with his arms.
0: <laughs> I-, I did see that. I was rewatching it, but it's.
1: And the guards do a ton of spinning that's really unnecessary throughout the entire fight. I just saw a guard but run out of frame cool. and not come back in for another five seconds like go watch Shadowversity's video on it fight scene autopsy the last jedi. It's very well worth it like
0: okay, well, <laughs> consistent or not, it's still beautiful, okay It's like the light cinematography right? is like, great
1: uh, no no doubt about that,
0: okay. Yeah. Well, we'll agree to disagree on this scene. and probably oh uh, while we're while we're in Snoke's Snoke's uh, throne room, let's talk about Snoke for a little bit. Oh sure. I think it's either like beautiful or stupid that he's like satirically narrating his own demise. I like, guess that's happening. Like completely subverts everyone's expectations. Like I I I think my jaw dropped like when I first saw this in the theater several years ago. Like it was a really like kind of crazy moment like i don't think snoke was well established enough he was just kind of the dark sidious for kylo ren that basically didn't really have much going on behind him but and he's probably killed off too early i'd say but yep. it was a really interesting like scene where he's basically like uh use the lightsaber to strike down uh your greatest enemy uh, turn the lightsaber and like something like that and then the exact same thing happens to him when he's intending those words for Ray like that that's some satire and I'm not sure if it's beautiful or like lame they thought of that like at the last minute but what do you think of that
1: I would say it's the latter because uh if that lightsaber is metal and it is turning on a metal armrest I wonder if Snoke can hear it I also, like, Snow can sense Kylo's intentions. I don't know why he's like... And and, and he's being intentionally vague for no reason. Uh, like saying Kylo kills his true enemy, instead of just saying Kylo strikes her down or something. But I, I would have expected more out of someone who's supposed to be this extremely intelligent Sith Lord who's been alive for it seems like a really long time. And I think they mm-hmm. killed him off without a very good backstory. I think they, like he, he was one of the biggest building blocks that they, or, um, one of the biggest bridges that could have been built between seven and eight, or seven and six, like, between the original trilogy and the sequels, how he brought the First Order to rise and how the Republic fell, like, he was a huge part of that and they killed him off without explaining any of that, which is, granted, that is more of a problem with the, with The Force Awakens, how the, Republic fell, and how the first order rose out of nowhere, but they killed Snoke off here when there could have been th- still some potential to uh, explain that, and my last issue with it is that Snoke was one of the only competent villains left. Kylo is just mad all the time, and he makes a bunch of irrational decisions all the time. a about driver because he's used as a joke like, all right, yeah that- in this movie.
0: I got to agree with you on a lot of that there because the first order is at least like painted at the beginning as an intimidating presence yeah. in episode yeah. 7 and then sure. at the start of this movie Hux gets like prank called and then wiped across oh, the floor
1: <laughs> yeah yep yeah. mm.
0: like it's just like same thing happens in the resistance they're just like constantly fighting with each other like both sides are just like shrouded in foolishness for no apparent okay. reason
1: like yeah so the resistance fighting with each other do we get into Poe and Holdo now? Uh
0: I guess so I I do I think that a yeah. Holdo's such a weird character Oh yeah that, that that's all I really have to say Like she she's like apparently doing the right thing that's like revealed right before she makes a really powerful sacrifice and causes one of the most beautiful scenes in Star Wars history, but also
1: one of the most contradictory scenes in Star Wars no! history.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> stop being so pessimistic with these beautiful things. Um- <laughs>
1: it looks good. I-, I can't deny that. It looks amazing. <sighs> it just makes no sense.
0: Okay, I guess and we have. I guess we need to talk about battle. the lights. We need to talk about the light speed ram. Then sure. Let's do that quick. <laughs> All right. I need to find. I'm going to put it on in the background because it's just that beautiful. But what? A- what? What is it? Just the mechanics of it? You don't like the mechanics of Lightspeed Ram? Or, like, what? what? Explain. So
1: if it was possible to light speed Ram, might have been useful to hyperspace a ship on autopilot into the Death Star in Episode 4. Might have been helpful to do that in Episode 6. Might have been helpful to do that in Episode 7. Might have been helpful to do that against the Trade Federation in Episode 1. Might have been helpful to do that against the Imperial Fleet in Episode 5. Yeah, but it's so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looks good, but it makes no sense. Like, I think... Yeah. I, I actually listened to Drew and Dan on Taylos' of movie reviews. Th- like, their rant, like, three years ago, Drew said, why not just put hyperspace into a brick and throw it at the Death Star? Like... <laughs> well, because
0: that's a brick sailing I mean, in a million, yeah, million obviously miles an hour. Brick, it's but... it's different, like... That was a giant ship. That's That's probably a significant resource that you can't bear to lose. I mean... I guess it's worth it in this context, but as to why they didn't think of it, maybe they thought that like it, it just wouldn't work. Like No one ever thought to try this. Well, maybe, actually, I, if I, we
1: take the line from Rise of Skywalker where Finn says it's one in a million, which is, okay, that, that's that's just a thing for Rise of Skywalker. That's another, let's just leave that for now. But like I, I don't buy that this wasn't thought of at all in the thousands of years that the technology has been around, uh, humans weaponize technology all the time. I I'm, I am don't buy that Holdo was the first one to think of it at all. Um, and the thing is, you don't even have to sacrifice a big ship or sacrifice even a person to do it. You can get a droid to do it. You can put it on autopilot, mm. something like that. And if you need to do, like, say one X-Wing isn't enough to do the... De- to, do the death star in just send a few X wings to do it. And then you get enough damage. Like it's, it's just, they shouldn't have employed it in this film because that creates holes for basically every other film where there's a space battle because it's yeah. been employed there.
0: I, I have a feeling that they had this idea like on hold for a long time and they needed to find the right spot to do it. Like, and this was the best spot that, that they could do it. And I I see what you're saying with, like, why don't they do it here, why don't they do it here, but it, it's kind of light speed itself is a very interesting uh, mechanic and it's used very heavily as a plot device in this movie. Like, with the whole light speed tracing, like, light speed yeah. is really addressed a lot more in this movie than it has been in a lot of other movies. Like, they just kind of accepted that light speed exists and, like, that's just something that's really awesome. Like, to we just are able to accept that as a mechanic, and that's all light speed is. Now it's being used very extensively in the plot as something that we have to like interact with. It has to have set mechanics, and I, I do agree with you. Like, why don't they use it in other spots? But for such a, let's just look at it in the context of what this is doing for Holdo's character what this is doing for the film cinematography wise like the sound design paired with the amazing like beautiful visual uh Holdo's like sacrifice even if it really isn't fitting like so far for what we've seen of her character basically just having no plan no leadership ability like i'm kind of going off on a tangent now but it's <laughs> it's all just such an amazing sequence to tie off Holdo's Really bad character, <laughs> but yeah.
1: See, I kind of wish that if they were going to do this scene, let it be Akbar. Why kill? Like, just let Akbar be Holdo, and then didn't
0: Akbar die? He died,
1: but like they didn't have to kill him off. They um, they could have just said said he survived, uh, like Leia did. Said he was somewhere else on the ship or wherever. Because um, then you at least have a character that we've. Got some history with, and that the he's just a
0: meme, people, though. Just there's a trap, that's all.
1: He's just well, a trap. Well, he did also do some great uh, work during the space battle in episode six, and the resistance members would appreciate that because they like Poe doesn't even know who Holdo is, or he's never, well, no, he knows who he is, but she, he's never even met her before, which is really strange on a ship of 400 people that they don't even all know each other after being in an organization for decades, but that's mm-hmm. besides the point. Um yeah, I think if they had just gotten Akbar in this position and he was the one that sacrificed, um, that could have been more powerful, especially because I mean, Holda's character is like absolute disaster. So I didn't feel anything for her when she sacrificed. I was like, well at least you did something good after all the crap you just put the resistance through and how many lives you just killed. Um
0: the resistance is just a really, I guess the resistance in the first order. They're just like absolute jokes in this movie, basically. Um, well, this whole like trilogy—failure of leadership, like failure of establishing like a presence of any kind. Like, and and then the the most problematic part is Poe, Finn, and Rose. Their entire plan fails because they're bad at parking ships in the designated oh. area.
1: Okay, I've like, got one thing to say. Hundreds on of people die. Do that
0: because yeah. What
1: okay. do you have to say? Well, one last thing on hyperspace. The I, I think that they could have still done the sacrifice scene. I it, I think it would have been absolutely like I think it would have been cooler even if they would have just had her ram the Supremacy full speed, and she was trying to make it there in time as she was getting shot down. Like she's screaming because she's so intense, trying to ram this ship. Desperately trying to save the resistance, one last stand, and she's being fired upon. The first order is freaking out, saying "fire on that ship," and it's just burning up, barreling towards this uh, star destroyer. I think that could have been really intense. It would have built up drama in it because it would have taken over taken over the course of like a minute or so. Uh, I think that would have been an even better way to show a sacrifice, and it wouldn't have broken the universe. But
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that's one fix. I actually. Think could work individually, um, and you don't have to change much of the story before that to make it work. But
0: yeah, but then we wouldn't have the light speed RAM, which is the most beautiful thing
1: and the most contradictory, but it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one last thing before we go into this story's horrible Can plot um, yeah. the sound design in the light speed RAM, tying into the sound design. And some of my other favorite moments, uh, cinematography wise, uh, it's the connections between uh, Ren and Ray, like the sound design where like the reverse delay like kind of creeps up on it, and that <clears throat> kind of ties into like Ray's little like trip into the dark part of uh, Luke's island, like the amazing like cinematography and sound design there really sells the scene, like I. I loved seeing um like how they they did like the normal like 180 degree rule like shot that they do with a conversation for two people except they're in completely different sets. And I I feel like they just did it so naturally like with the same thing that Ryan Johnson like preached in Knives Out which was like line of sight. Like they did that on different sets which I just think is really cool that they're able to like have a conversation with characters in two different sets and all the, like the, the facial stuff in this movie, like the symmetry, the way they cut to characters faces in the exact same spot and frame. Like when uh, Ren was in his tie fighter uh, firing at the oh, yeah. resistance starfighter, like they cut to Leia's face a couple times, perfectly lining up with uh, Kylo's face. It, it's all just so powerful. All the facial work that they do in this movie, all of the—I um, I just think the cinematography in general is just such beautiful compositions, both of people and the landscapes. Um, back to the Lightspeed Ram, like the ships are like artfully positioned and like pure like geometry and everything. It's Ryan Johnson does directing very well. Even if you don't like him as a writer, you can't deny that he's an amazing director.
1: Oh, yeah. That's what I say. I say, let him direct whatever he wants. Just do not let him touch the script at all. That's (laughs) basically my thing with Ryan. So I agree with everything you were saying, like that moment between where it just cuts between Ren and Leia multiple times. That's like, even with how little I care about Kylo Ren, um the history with Leia still sells that scene and still makes me, like, it makes me interested, makes me engaged in what's going on. Like, I was was actually curious, like, what decision will he make here? Wait, Um, so you're
0: telling me you're not interested in this kind of moody, angsty, wannabe Sith Lord? Come on, he's the best.
1: (laughs) I don't know what he wants at all. I I don't really... He's just sometimes good, sometimes bad. So, okay. yeah. Like, I. I He's I,
0: also just a meme that he, like, he takes the, like, rage thing way too far. And oh, I can't yeah, tell if I love I it or hate it, where it, or it just, just destroys everything. Like, the moment where he kind of abandons the mask after Snoke makes fun of him, I think is pretty, um, pretty important to his character. Like, Kylo's entire struggle is between, like, uh, being, like, authentic to himself and his family. And being, like, uh, the next Darth Vader, which is, like, what he wants to be. And <clears throat> I think that he has a really interesting struggle and a really interesting arc. A um, couple of weird moments. Uh, one of my favorite actors on Earth, Adam Driver, sure. just kills mm-hmm. everything. Like, I guess that's the story with this movie. Like, amazing acting in almost every scenario. Terrible dialogue that they have to bear through. Um Ugh.
1: Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Like, I, I will admit, like Kylo interested me. Like that dynamic with him trying to be Vader, and in Episode Seven, he said, "I will finish what you started." And then in Eight, they just kind of drop it. Like, there's there is actually mm, common... not, not not not
0: exactly. Like Snoke mentions it at least twice.
1: Well, yeah, but the, um, like they mention it in the beginning, and then it's kind of just done. Like after like the first third, it's not really brought up again because snoke just tells him that the masks look the mask looks ridiculous and then one person telling him that one time is enough for him to completely abandon it found that a little strange
0: well snoke is a very powerful figure in like kylo's life like and from what it sounds like he's a large reason of why he uh turned to the dark side and oh he is yeah w- yeah so snoke isn't just some Random making fun of him. He's actually a pretty powerful force in Kylo's life. But
1: yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would have just thought that Snoke would comment on the mask before, like, like it's been decades, and you're just now commenting on how the mask looks stupid. Like, I don't know. Seems like that would have happened a while ago. Like, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got it. We but just randomly said in his commentary, uh, "I wanted to find a way to get that mask off." Yeah. So, that explains
0: that. Adam driver being such an amazing actor, it does kind of suck that they distorted his voice and put him under a mask. But now that we actually are able to see the full extent of like his, uh, of his character and his acting back to the like force connections between, uh, like Ray and Kylo, like those are so like tense and riveting and Kylo and Ray are actually a really interesting dynamic that I thought, was a it was an intriguing uh thing to follow like kylo wanting to turn ray to the dark side and ray wanting to turn kylo uh to good it's i'm glad they pursued it instead of just having like a flat antagonist that is just evil and that's it like flat characters are really boring like we see this with poe he just wants to go blow everything up it's not interesting it's annoying when characters are flat. We want characters that have some interest to them, characters that are able to evolve throughout the story.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've found that those scenes with Kylo and Ray to be like some of the most interesting where, uh, the, I think it's the first time that they connect over the forest where Ray is absolutely like still very upset at him for killing Han um and they kind of continue on how much Han meant to Rey and i really liked how she was she was so firm in that she was like she was sure that Kylo was absolutely terrible because he killed Han killed her one and only father figure that she's ha- like had in the last 15 years or whatever um and that that rage was consistent with the previous movie I, and I, I guess I just found her shift to wanting, to seeing the good in Kylo Ren. I I guess I found it a little bit abrupt.
0: It it might be abrupt, but it makes sense for her character. Like she sees uh Kylo's story, and she like believes that there is still good him, good in him. And I believe that Ray is actually. I talked about this in the last movie. How they copied the entire story of. Uh, a new hope, but Ray is Luke Skywalker again, and she's trying to see the good in him. Um, whether whether you believe that uh, Ray basically being Luke Skywalker uh, is a good idea or not, that that's fitting for her character, and I am glad they did it personally.
1: Yeah, i i, I can I can see that, um, which I guess that that'll actually bring me to uh, why does she see good in him? Because he was, like, sure, he was, he had a lightsaber raised over his head, but why does that justify the killing of a bunch of students that didn't do anything to him? Why does he go on a, why does he just massacre the entire village? Because his master was bad to him.
0: Well, think about it. This is a parallel to Anakin's story, right? Anakin, like, kills lots of people. He supports... Uh, like the destruction of several entire planets and wants to like install this evil regime across the galaxy and Luke is still able to see the good in him and whether he 's related to him or not is kind of uh unimportant to that dynamic it's it's the fact that these these characters are able to see the good in uh our our antagonists and I I think that it speaks a lot to these characters and that it's some interesting themes and messages that can be carried over. I, that's just what I think. I don't have too much to say on that, but
1: yeah, uh, I I I guess that's just I guess what I highlighted is more of a problem just with Kylo Ren's origin story more than more than Ray seeing good in him, um, because another source of that goodness that she saw might have been his hesitation to kill his father. Maybe that's still something she considers. Like he didn't do it instantly. Like there, there, there's got to be at least something there. So maybe she's going off that. I guess my issue was more just the origin of Kylo Ren. Like how is the your master putting his lightsaber over you enough to turn you into a mass murderer? But um, that's that's not relevant to the. Uh, force, force time. I think is what people have called it, a plan mm. phase time. But yeah, it's not really relevant to those scenes. Which those are those are actually the scenes that introduce the idea of like teleporting objects and matter through the force. Which I didn't actually catch that on the first viewing. I don't know if you did or not. Just
0: the fact that um, Kylo like appears in like the little hut that Rey's
1: in. And the raindrop that's on Kylo's glove oh, after yeah, one of their that. interactions. Yeah. So I didn't pick up on that my first time. And then they took that into Rise of Skywalker. And, mm. well, that's that's for next episode.
0: Yep. I think we've kind of well, dwelt on this long enough. Uh, what about the, the most painful uh, part of this movie, which is Rose, Finn, and Poe? And their their misadventures. Yeah, we already kind of talked about Holdo. Yeah.
1: I um I, I maybe do do we want to talk about what like sparked their adventure? like the reason that they're going to Cano Canobite? Because I think there are a well, lot yeah, of Yeah, I, I guess
0: Huldo's kind of the root of that for not really yeah. explaining uh what's going on. I I am just so like triggered by Holdo's like and it makes sense why like Poe and Finn and try to, like, fight against it, but she's just such a, for someone that is, like, the next in line in a, like, a worst-case scenario, like, she should at least have, like, a better plan, like, an admiral is, like, her position, she should be thinking, like, throughout this entire situation what she would be doing instead of just Mm -hmm. sitting there and hoping that, like, Leia will provide them with a good plan. Well, see, um, didn't she
1: have a plan didn't she have she, the plan of she did have a plan the, but, but she just didn't say
0: it she didn't really say anything and that Which caused is a, a big problem <laughs> everyone else to like really put themselves at risk and mm-hmm. do do a lot of things that would be very illogical if they had known the plan yeah and that's just a failure to execute leadership and we see like that uh Hux says like that they have them tied like on the end of a string through like light speed tracking. Um, and that implies like there might be like a mole in the resistance. Like that'd be a really interesting, uh, path to follow. Mm -hmm. Like I'd, I'd much rather watch them like look for like have like a whole, um, like thing figuring out like who a mole in the resistance would be. But instead they decide to go to this lousy, beautiful planet and witness people gambling and, frolic around before they decide to ride some horses to safety like it it's just such oh, a yeah. like Cantobite is an interesting world like it's interesting to see like uh aliens all dressed up in suits and stuff gambling like that that's that's mm-hmm. interesting to see and i think it's kind of funny like that bba ends up like full of coins because everyone thinks he's yeah. like a slot machine or something i actually thought that was kind of funny but um and like the fact that they're all like betting on like alien horse racing and everything like that that's an interesting world to follow and see in this in the Star Wars universe like all the the cantabite stuff but it doesn't really fit within the plot because having them uh running through this casino clueless looking for this supposed master code breaker um who moz says is like the only person she trusts with this, and turns out if it's actually the same guy, it turns out to just be a guy that will sell you sell these people out for personal gain like it it's a really just annoying sequence, all of it oh, like what do you think of it?
1: Yeah, so man, where do you even start i I guess There is one thing I kind of want to establish. I know we've been wanting to get to it for a while, but the reason that they go to Canobite and the reason that Holdo won't tell Poe the plan, um, it's because Poe was demoted. Uh, That's the reason that this whole thing is happening, because Poe was demoted. And why was Poe demoted? Because he ignored the General's orders. And what were the General's orders? To disengage and let the fleet get shot in the beginning. So I'm going like way back here. Um, just to recap before we get to, because the whole thing that like Cantabite in itself is terrible, but the reason that they're there is also overall pretty terrible. So Poe is the one who gets out in the X-Wing and save, basically saves the fleet from the Dreadnought. Um, if he didn't help blow that thing up, if he listened to Leia's orders to disengage, then the whole resistance is dead, uh, because that Dreadnought will destroy their ship. But he is demoted to captain for that, because, by Leia. And then Holdo uses that demotion to as a reason to not give Poe the plan. Um, when Poe asks what the plan is, he or she, Holdo responds, like, a plan, like the plan you had that got a bunch of people killed. And then she just says he's hot-headed and he can't know the plan. Which, if anything, Poe being hot-headed would be a reason to tell him the plan so that he doesn't try to come up with a plan himself. Um, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. And then even more funny, uh, when she tells him the plan, he's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's a good plan. So mm-hmm. like, so, and, and the whole thing it?
0: with like, why do they have all these bombers and people ready? Oh, if they're not sure. planning on doing that, like, uh, these people all seem to be in the loop. It doesn't even seem like it's Poe's decision to go after the Dreadnought. Exactly. Like, like everyone like, else has Leia says, like, to lines. disengage, but there's already these people, like, rolling up with all these bombers. Also, these bombers are just, like, a, a terrible, terrible idea. Oh, they gosh, move no. so slow. Like, Made out of paper.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Literally they decide that, let's gonna put of all of our explosive material, let's put it all in this, like, little, shaky little shell of a spaceship. To roll as slow as possible over to the dreadnought, um and if we manage to get over it, like it's got this like complicated process that involves like four people all working you together on one of these ships, it. like Ugh. why can't it all just be controlled by the pilot that makes you know sense why, why doesn't just it have
1: a y wing yeah. Yeah,
0: that would be nice. Just, just, just drop a couple. Like it seems like they only needed a couple of these bombs to set off this huge chain reaction. For sure, seems and, like a and f- design flaw in the dreadnought itself. How do you complete?
1: But- how do you complete one of these runs without killing yourself? Because when you drop the bombs, you are just over the target, and then the since there are so many bombs, the flames just consume the ship. I don't think there's a single bombing run where the ship makes it out. It's uh, absolutely insane those bombers like this is the thing with this movie like we wanted to talk about Cantobite 20 minutes ago and we've just gone on tangent 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 about other terrible things like that's just what talking about this movie will do to you uh, I guess we can finally get to Cantobite now that we've kind of set up what gets mm-hmm. there unless there's anything else you had to say on or the we camera.
0: can talk about the characters leading up to Cantobite a little bit I think Rose yeah, sure. and Finn yeah. are that's some interesting idea. avenues to pursue like Rose mm-hmm. her connection with her sister could have been it could have been an interesting path to follow if we had seen them like actually connect before her sister dies instead of like twenty minutes after yeah um that's just a little bit annoying uh we wait until we meet the character to establish an emotional connection with the character that's already dead that's just annoying um and Rose is a really good premise for a character I'd say like someone that is like has it's it's a good example of like the kind of people that are in the resistance that are um that have been affected by the first order and it tells the story of how the first order like intervened in these people's lives in a harmful way and she's she's a actually good premise but then as per usual the execution is really bad um with all these star wars characters like she just does things for no reason. Like, she, like, lectures Finn about being selfish, and then when oh, Finn tries to make a worthy sacrifice, she oh, no. oh, just... No.
1: Uh, she says a the, worst, the worst line in all of Star Wars, I think, comes at that moment. Um, what, oh, shoot, what was it? It's right after she crashed into Finn. Um, oh, shoot, why can I remember the line?
0: Um, and it was something and it was this really painful moment where like the, the big battering ram laser thing goes into the uh into the base and then she decides that's an appropriate time to to kiss finn after that, that it appears that all of their their uh people have died like it's just it's just the worst in every conceivable way like oh yeah, their interaction the line
1: <laughs> that's how we're gonna win not fighting what we hate Saving what we love—they're not mutually exclusive. Why does it <laughs> exactly? I hate that. I hate that dichotomy so much. because Finn was saving what he loved by destroying those he hated. Like,
0: and then she destroyed who she loved pe- by yeah. saving yeah. what she loved—the person by fighting. You know what I mean? Like, it's just- yeah. Because
1: right after she says that line, we see the cannon. Like three seconds after she says the line, we see the cannon blow up all the people she loves. Like, I, I, I I can't, I can't, I, that might be my least favorite scene in all of Star Wars. It's definitely my least favorite line, but oh man, like, that one gets me going. (laughs) Like. And these
0: poor, amazing actors. I know. That are left with this terrible dialogue. Like, I, I know there's a lot of controversy with like, people like slamming the actors and a bunch of political stuff that we won't get into, but. It's all these amazing actors that are left with terrible dialogue, like mm-hmm. they try their best, but there's not really anything that can be done with this these terrible holes that Ryan Johnson dug everyone into.
1: It's like Finn on canto Bight saying, like after they uh, ran through the, and busted up the whole town, he's like, well, even though we're losing, it was worth it, though we?" They made them hurt but it's not worth it like but you you you're not making them hurt because you know who you're going to make hurt all the slaves who are going to have to spend weeks if not months cleaning all this damage up who are probably going to have to do extra work and get extra beatings from their owners because the owners are not going to have to do any of the dirty work it's the slaves but Finn <sighs> is too ignorant to realize that
0: everything is just so contradictory in this movie like
1: and then Rose says, now it's worth it when she takes the saddle off of a horse who is going to be captured within two minutes and has nowhere yeah. to go.
0: I thought, like, the whole thing with, like, like they, they kind of brush over the fact that they're, like, children in slavery, and they're like, but the horses! like." <laughs> I know!
1: <laughs> that, like, it's like, they, didn't, they didn't save the children, they saved the horses! Like, well, <laughs> uh, the morality here is just... Oh... It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's painful.
0: Everything yeah. is just so problematic. And I'm... I don't even know if I want to talk about it anymore. It speaks for itself and just how painful it is. I
1: mean, basically, but, I should we talk about the codebreaker slash codebreakers? Yeah, is that
0: the actual guy that Moz was talking about? Or no, like so some guy, decoy? So the guy, the guy, guy, guy with... talking about the,
1: rolling on the table. Yeah, I saw that guy, but, but I was there. wondering
0: if that was just the, the wrong guy, you know?
1: No, that, I think that's actually... Because it was like the red palm bloom on its lapel or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the right guy. So that's who they needed to find. And then they get tossed in prison for the parking ticket because they parked on the beach <laughs> oh, instead of no, in the no, not the parking ticket. They parked miles away on a beach that was next to a cliff that they would have to get around in order to get up to the casino instead of parking anywhere near the casino. So they get thrown in prison for that idiotic parking. And... That, that I mean, That's why they park there, so that they can get thrown in prison. And then they get thrown in prison so that they can meet DJ, who just happens to be in one of the hundreds of cells with them, who also well, happens it's not to be able to just break his way out of the cells.
0: I think he was actually planted there, like... Or mm, Never mind.
1: Like Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> I don't know how... <laughs> it else. crossed
0: my mind for a second, and then I realized that it was way too like crazy that the First Order would... like think that far in advance to plant him there knowing that they would go there and get arrested like it 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 makes sense in the context of like him betraying them and like the first order like kind of siding with him from the beginning but that's way too far of a stretch more more of it just being like these kind of lucky coincidences that they decide to do instead of lucky yeah
1: And then why is he still in the cell if he's just able to break out at any time? Was he just waiting for people to hire him for something? (laughs) I guess so. I don't don't know know why you're still in there. Um, Yeah. And then they have the laughable scene where he's explaining to Finn the idea that people aren't strictly good or strictly bad. Like, wow, that's groundbreaking.
0: Whoa. (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) wild. Wow. Dude, what? People aren't 100% good or bad? No way. Who could have thought? Uh. Uh.
0: I don't even know if I want to go over it anymore. I'm watching the entire Finn scene right now with the battering ram just in the background, and I'm just feeling pain. And it makes it hurt even more, all of the amazing parts of this movie. Like, I know you don't agree with me on the whole Luke thing. I think the whole Luke and Ray dynamic is actually pretty solid. And then the cinematography, like, of course, the score and sound design are amazing. Oh, yeah. And then Mm -hmm. this dumb plot, I guess it's even like a side plot. Like I feel like the Ray plot is the main plot, and then she's just like a side character at the end for some reason. No one knows. Cantobite
1: didn't even need to happen; it was completely inconsequential. Yeah, because they just end up on crate afterwards. (laughs) Like that—that's one of the main criticisms of this. The whole Cantobite scenes are—they're not necessary. Which. It just makes you wonder what was going on in the writing process. Um, yeah, man, this is this really lowered my mood, man.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we even have left to talk about.
1: Well, we haven't talked like, much about crate, like the like what actually happens down there.
0: Yeah, like we talked about the whole Luke and Kylo thing, and I think yeah. Like I'm watching the the crate thing right now, and Luke's Luke's fight is pretty pretty cool, I'd say. Like, in the moment where he's just standing out there like completely invincible is just awesome, like and definitely fan service, but definitely appreciated oh, well,
1: yeah, like, that's for sure on on this me topic laugh when of fan service soldier
0: yeah on on the topic of fan service like i I think that it's a lot more artful or at least like self conscious in this movie, like when you're bringing back Luke Skywalker, like you're gonna expect some of that um but when r2d2 plays the original leia hologram
1: oh that's one of my like, favorite scenes
0: because luke says that um like i think he says some I, I i wrote my wrote it down in my notes so i'm gonna find it real quick uh references he remarks that it's a cheap move he said those exact words like that's a, that's such a cheap move like he says mm-hmm. that to r2d2 yeah. and like he's so self-conscious in that moment that it's like fan service and it's like even fan service to him like, within the movie, like I just thought that was funny that, despite everything that happened in the last movie and what will happen in the next movie, like Luke is willing to remark on how fan service is kind of dumb <laughs> in the context of the movie,
1: which interestingly, I think that's like one of the fan service moments that actually. Works well because I think mm-hmm. there are like two and they keep scenes like playing movie.
0: Leia's theme like they they mm-hmm. play Leia's theme a yep. couple times and that's totally warranted and I'm happy that they did that.
1: Well, yeah, like I would say that that scene with R two and Luke's scene with Leia on crate my two favorite scenes. Uh, probably my the only two scenes I like actually now that I think about it. But mm. um, like with him being tempted by R2, essentially, um, with that hologram that got him started on the adventure all those years ago. It's nostalgia that R2 would actually bring out and would actually motivate Luke to get back into the fight. Um, And it's it's a little bit of an introspective moment for Luke that kind of makes him reconsider some things. And when that's done with an appropriate callback, I can appreciate the writing there. I'd say so that's like one of the best moments of fan service in the film if not the best I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz it's done in an artful and respectful way instead of just like randomly throwing the Jedi training balls into Finn's hand while he's looking for something that doesn't make sense.
1: Like <laughs> yeah. So, where were we, crate? Um I guess we could talk about the Luke and Leia scene on crate. Uh I don't know if you have thoughts on that.
0: Um I I don't really feel strongly in any particular direction like Luke saying no one's ever really gone I think well, that kind of became memefied
1: That's like, a huge <laughs> meme now yeah because they used um, that line to justify Palpatine coming back and yeah
0: Yeah, yeah. I but, there's a couple stuff couple things like that that are not totally amazing but it, it yeah, is what I, it is.
1: I thought when like like just him and Leia being together even that is somewhat impactful just because it's so rare in this trilogy and it's just a moment where the two of them are reflecting on their pasts, and they're both just there to comfort each other. Uh, Luke especially comforting Leia after the defeat, after all the hard fighting that she's been going through. Um, and there is actually... They actually re- cut some elements of that scene out or they did reshoots. There is an alternate version of the scene where like it, Carrie Fisher is emotional in the scene that's in the final cut. But in that, that deleted scene, she is like quaking and trembling and like tearing up crying and like stumbling through the words. Uh Like it's an absolutely amazing performance. And I, I don't I don't know how you can find it.
0: Why did they um, make all these dumb cuts?
1: I don't know. That's what I wanna it's, know. It's it's really confusing because that cut was way more effective. Uh it was still effective in the film itself just because it's these two characters that we know together and they're talking about their histories and comforting each other, like that's impactful. But I I saw the cut scene and I was like, Man, that's even more potent, even more powerful. Um I think it was like in the Last Jedi behind the scenes documentary or something. That's where it was from. So I might be able to link it down below in like the show notes if I find it. Uh, that you can check it out. Um, I know it's in part three of Mauler's The Force Awakens critiques somewhere, but I, I might be able to link that below if I find it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm uh, actually one thing that on the ending of the movie that I really liked is Luke's death, actually. Um, yes. like the two setting suns, like perfect, like fan service for his character. Um, like it, I think it was a good moment. Uh, his arc was resolved. He at least came to some sort of peace, um, with everything. And I, I, I liked Luke's arc throughout the, the whole saga.
1: Yeah. And in, in isolation, I would say that's a really powerful death scene. Um, and obviously I don't feel that it's supported by the film, but if it were part of a film that like, uh, like portrayed his art better, I would find it really, really powerful. Um, but just the way it is, it's like really well shot, really well conceptualized, like all that. So, yeah. hmm
0: Well, I think that's about all I have to say really. Like, it's yeah, it's it's a painful it. movie that has so many amazing spots that that just make everything all it makes all the the bad parts even more painful when they're contrasted with these like beautiful pieces of art.
1: Mm-hmm. It makes me feel bad for all the people who put so much work into to like that cinematography and the, all the actors that did such a great job, all the set designers, and just let down by the story so much. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially Mark Hamill, man. I because I felt so bad for him because there are clips of him like breaking down on set, like getting emotional about what was done to his character, and you can see the, some clips of him during the premiere, even where he's like, he just looks completely out of it. And he's just like staring off in the distance, just. Like, really? how did
0: I allow this to happen? Like,
1: uh, he he tried to fight back against it, um, but Ryan still had the ultimate say. Um,
0: if only George Lucas was like still a little bit involved, like some I of this know. stuff wouldn't have happened. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, he was involved with Mandalorian season two, and we saw how that went. But yeah, I think he would have amazingly uh, uh, future <laughs> episode. <laughs> But yeah, I think he would have at least been helpful in keeping up with characterization, especially of the original trilogy characters. Just mm-hmm. having some guidance from him. But they actually threw out his drafts for the sequels. They bought them and then threw them out. So that's...
0: Yeah, that seems like something that they would do.
1: Man, yeah.
0: Just Oh, one thing I just remembered... Uh, randomly, is, like, with the cinematography, I know we keep talking talking about it, but the bokeh, like, sometimes they get a little bit inconsistent, like, whenever they're pulling focus, and the bokeh won't change in the amount of focus it has, but something I noticed, like, I, I'm the weirdo that watches the background when stuff's <laughs> happening. Uh, the bokeh remains consistent with the focus, like, really accurately, both, like, in time and degree. Like, this beautiful anamorphic bokeh that like as the pocus would uh, push and pull the, the bokeh would accurately uh, change in size. And that, that's just a really good detail, like from good things happening technologically, because I, I mentioned that because a lot of this, obviously they didn't build entire star des- star destroyers. That that'd be insane. Like all the CGI backgrounds that they do are so consistent with all of the, um, camera uh changes happening in focus and so
1: yeah i i didn't notice that wasn't looking that closely but it's cool that they i notice it when it doesn't
0: happen and i get annoyed like that annoys the crap out of me whenever they uh fair like when the focus doesn't change uh or when the focus changes and the bokeh doesn't change it's just like ah (laughs) it's yeah
1: all right. Well, that's been an we episode. On a bit of a high note there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They had the right kind of boca.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, and I get, do we do terrible uh, plot? Some grades.
0: Oh yeah. The grades, um, solid, uh, C, like I'd okay. say, cause there's some, so many amazing moments and it is a really fun film to watch. If you turn your brain off, um, <laughs> And uh I I I found a lot of the um moments with Luke really powerful, um and Ray. And then there's CantoBite, uh which I hate with all my heart, except for it's a good mm-hmm. idea, but terrible execution and plot. But yeah, C minus. Or okay. C I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh with this one I'm considering between D or D minus. Uh, it's one of those. two. I think I have D minus on sentence film reviews, and I think I'll stick with that. Cause... and then subjectively, F. I I I, can't, <laughs> I cannot stand this movie. I <laughs> this is my most hated movie by far. Uh, because Rise of Skywalker is just as bad, if not worse, than this movie. But I can at least laugh at how bad that movie is and enjoy it for yeah the, the insanity that it is. Like this they didn't actually insane. try
0: on that movie. This movie like has it just makes all of the good parts so painful and all the bad parts so painful. Like I yeah. think I've referenced this before, but in the prestige, there's a moment where there's a character. I won't get into the specifics, but they have two kinds of personalities and, uh, they're, they're in a romantic situation and, uh, they're a uh, wife in this scenario. Um, it's talking about the days that he loves her and the days that he doesn't. And it's, it's a powerful moment where he's talking about how he loves her, and she says yes, and it makes it even harder when you don't. And that mm-hmm. is something that I can apply to a lot of moments. Like, we need to, watch, we need to talk about The Prestige sometime, just because that movie is amazing on every level. But okay. I, <clears throat> I, I keep bringing that back to these Star Wars movies because they're so good. In so many ways, like world building, cinematography, score, sound design, acting, uh, really great sci-fi. And then it's so painful when in these sequel or prequel trilogies, they kill it with a terrible script. Um, uh-huh. I I'm just really, I'm really conflicted about these movies for that exact reason.
1: Yeah, it's... It's just it's kind of sad just looking back on them, because I don't know about you, but I hadn't seen much Star Wars before Seven came out, and even I was super hyped up when it was coming out, and super hyped after it, and then just seeing where it went. Oh,
0: yep. It'll never get as good as the original
1: trilogy. Def, yeah, that's gonna be tough. Well, I mean, I, it I never did. We can, I guess we can call it there.
0: Yep. All thank right. you for listening to us complaining for an hour and a half about this disaster um, hope you enjoyed it hopefully you're not in as bad a mood as I am right now <laughs>
1: me too <laughs> um, and next week we get to talk about Rise of Skywalker so it's going to be a little bit more yep. fun it's just as terrible but it's, it's uh, just I'd argue it's and more and terrible mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's close like, but alright that'll be next time so
0: Yep. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to the one and only Julian Rader for reaching mm-hmm. out and um, being the only known supporter of this show. Um, yes. Please let us know if you listen to this show. Thank you, Julian. Um, but yeah, we we enjoy making them, even if it seems like we don't in the moment when we're <laughs> complaining about Rise of Skywalker. Um, but yeah, I. I'm glad we had this conversation about it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like therapy able to get these terrible, uh, like all this terrible writing, like out of my head a little bit. Um,
1: yeah, very, very cathartic. It's one thing to watch criticism on it, but when you actually get to dish it out a little bit, that's, that's enjoyable. So
0: it's pretty great.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we will see you all in the next episode. Um, yep. It's been a good discussion.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Yep, Bye.